Ralper and the two on a brass. I'm Carson Sestouli. This is Fangraphs Audio. I am uh, recording this on a Thursday night. I've returned to my home in a uh, Midwestern hamlet. Uh, I am uh, safely embedded in my chair that I usually, in which I usually sit to record uh, all the other episodes of Fangraphs Audio. Uh, the one, however, uh, that is this one, that is this episode of Fangraphs Audio, the audio to follow, was not recorded uh, in my chair, from my chair in the aforementioned Midwestern Hamlet, uh, but it was in fact recorded at the Winter Meetings at the Conservatory Cafe, uh, the Opryland Hotel and Resort, the Gaylord Opryland Hotel and Resort. Uh, the guest is Ben Badler from Baseball America. I've known uh, I've known Badler for a while now. Uh, he's actually been a, a guest on the podcast before, but I will say it is uh, there is something different about being able to have a discussion with a person like this face to face. I will say that I prefer it actually. Uh, um, and uh, look forward to being able to do uh, other interviews like that in the future, I guess, is when we would do them. We'll do those, hopefully, in the future. So far as the present one is concerned, Badler discusses, he uh, really discusses a number a number of things, um, a lot of those things having to do with international baseball. I'm going to stop talking, but I will tell you, here, this is the situation. This is recorded at the winter meetings, live from within the bowels of, of the Opryland Hotel, like I said, and what is happening now is I'm saying, I'm telling you what is it is about and who's on it. That's Ben Badler from Baseball America. It's a it's a it's an edition of Fangraphs Audio, and it begins right now. This is this is the baseball winter meetings. We're agreed on that. Yeah, we're yeah. Uh, we can concur. <laughs> yeah, we can concur. Um, you and I know each other now. Which uh, which baseball winter meetings is this for you? How many have you been to? Uh, this is the first winter meetings for me. Um, so far, it's been uh, it's been great. That's you know, we were just It's a great opportunity to see a lot of people who you know you don't really you know either talking to on the phone, scouts, right, right, executives, right. agents, you know, whoever else in the game. But uh, you don't really know, you don't see him face to face much or, or if at all sometimes during the year. So it's now, a good chance to. Because I know, like, now listen, I'm sure the guys at, at Baseball America, like, they certainly have some like credentials and skills in terms of being able to look to look at a prospect, you know, like a pitching prospect to be able to look like is this motion repeatable, you know, like does this, uh, you know, does this one, does a fielder have long levers, etc. Right? I mean, like, you guys all have those skills, but like, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but like a lot of the work. Like a lot of your value as an organization comes from, like having a number of contacts, being able to to reach out to people and say and, and triangulate information from different sources. Is that? Yeah, I mean we, you know, we're, our main office is in Durham, so it's a, it's a great location to be near you know college baseball, five right. minor league teams. You know we're traveling to see a bunch of different guys, but you know we can't be everywhere and, right. and you know just to see you, you know even if you see a guy a couple times, you know. You, you, all you've done is see him a couple times, right? Right. So you don't really have a. You can get a you get a feel for a guy, but the the point is to talk to as many people as you can, and talk to that. That's how you get the best sense for you know a player or for for an organization for for whatever it is that you're looking at. So yeah, the more people you can talk to, it's. Uh, With regard to that area down there, the sort of uh, yeah. Durham, and then and then all, all along, there's like one highway that kind of goes between there and Winston Salem. And there's like another major city up there. I did uh, some some like research. Just I was curious. 
um, I had met a friend at a wedding, and he was like, oh, yeah, I live in D.C. or just outside D.C. He's like, that's, like, the, one of the best areas to see minor league ball. And I was like, well, I'm curious, actually. So I went to, like, all the – like, all the – I tried to find, like – places where there were multiple leagues in particular because that's the nice thing right yeah and there's multiple you know right by where our offices we have the durham bulls right triple a for the rays carolina mudcats which is now the high a affiliate of the indians okay uh used to be double a for uh marlins and reds and they were juggling that through but then you have down to you know low a greensboro is there the marlins affiliate the burlington royals happy league baseball right if you've never i mean it's so it's it's really eye opening if you see like you see the major league guys every day, and even if you see like Triple A, there's a big gap between Triple A and the big leagues right. that you can probably tell when you go to a game. The gap between even like low A ball versus rookie ball, the, the quality of the defense is yeah. uh, remarkable. It's it just how different it is. I mean, you just see guys make terrible mistakes yeah. that you just wouldn't see in uh, even a, a low A or a double A kind of game. Now, for you, so I mean. Now, you, you're saying that the differences are rather big. Do you think that, I mean, to what degree do you think that is just like for you, having been a, a baseball uh, a baseball fan previously, and to what degree do you think it is just like the repetition of seeing so many so many games? In terms of... Uh, In terms of just your ability to recognize it, to be like, oh, like, that's like a low A type play right there, or that's more of like a triple A type skill level play. Yeah, uh, yeah, you know, the more, the more you see, the more your kind of mental database of players grows and... Uh, you know, the more history you have, especially with a certain level, that's that was one of the good things about uh, living in in that area for a while was that you did see so many different levels of baseball. Right. You kind of got a sense for all right, this is what you, you know, this is what it takes a double A, this is what a low A player looks like, uh, this is what rookie ball <laughs> looks like, and you see some guys. It's you know, it's a lot of guys in rookie ball who are throwing you know maybe 85, 86, or, or they're throwing 91, but their mechanics all are over the place or. Uh, the defense uh, to me the defense is, is the biggest one right. um, I think <laughs> one I was talking with scout who was saying you know the more the lower down in the minor leagues you go it seems like the more the ball stays on the ground <laughs> and the more you know the more mistakes you see guys make be right. it uh, fundamental errors or just mental mistakes or just you know <laughs> uh, footwork the feet getting tied up and then it costs them accuracy on their throws it's interesting so. you say that about the ball staying on the ground yeah. I think like You'll notice, and I think Brian Smith, who used to do some pretty good prospect work for us, especially right. like trying to bring together some of the quantitative stuff we do, and then also having somewhat of a scouting background, is uh, first of all, I think ground ball rates are like, well, they get progressively lower. They get progressively lower. I should say we're doing this in the cafe. We have yeah. multiple people asking for this chair. <laughs> well, it's a good chair. Yeah, it's. A, I mean, look at that chair. I think I might put my feet up. Well, let's do it. The. Uh, yeah, so ground ball rates tend to decrease. Uh, I think he found that. And he also looked at another thing, and I'm curious your thoughts on this. He sort of identified, like, even different sorts of, like, ground ball pitchers, for example. Guys who were getting their ground balls based off of if it was maybe more deception or if it was maybe both some, like, like real boring, boring action. And I'm wondering if that's something that, that you could see at that level. or. Yeah, well, you know, one of the things I noticed is that Especially in you know the rookie level, yeah. I'm just thinking of a guy who I saw, Jorge Polanco, who's with the Twins. Uh, they're uh, a middle infielder with them. He's uh, you know came out of the Dominican Republic. He's supposed to be like a good glove light bat shortstop, which mm-hmm. uh, the light bat is, is definitely true. Yeah. Um, doesn't really have much of an idea of what he's doing with the plate. 
swinging at the first you know strike he sees, whether it's a pitch he should hit or not. He just doesn't have the strength to be able to impact the ball. It's kind of a short, small swing. Right. It's hard for him to really get the ball out of the infield almost. And there's a lot of guys who are who are like that. So it's you know if you're putting the ball around the strike zone, especially down in the and you can put the ball down in the strike zone at that level, uh, you know it doesn't matter if you're throwing you know 89 or 90 with a little bit of sink versus 95 with you know power sink. The guy's probably not going to hit the ball out of the infield anyway, right. unless he has some ability to impact the ball or, or lift the ball too. Um, you know, a lot of guys swing, a lot of guys try to like slap and run at that level too. Right. So um, you know, and it's that, that's fine for some guys, but um, well, I remember the first time. Do you remember Luis Durango? Yes, yeah. very much. Yes, I, I remember watching him take batting practice at the Futures game. I think he barely got a few balls out of the infield, but that's that's his mo is to slap the ball. Right, and, and I guess because he actually made. It, I mean, he well, he he made some appearances at the major league level. Sure, I saw him a bunch at uh, uh, Portland when there was a AAA uh, P- uh, PCL affiliate in Portland, Oregon. And uh, you know, I remember like you know just like going over the stat sheet before before games, and be like, oh, like who's this guy? Is like because he had great like plate discipline numbers. You know, like walks relative to strikeouts, etc. I'm like, who's this guy? And then I saw him. I was yeah, like, oh, okay. Yeah. And like, this guy's not taking hacks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he was very slight of build. It, one of, the, I mean, certainly my experience is uh, dwarfed by yours in terms of going to live games and that. And that but he's certainly one of the, the slighter players I've seen on a diamond. Yeah, there's just guys who you see like that. It's it's a slight build and it's a swing that's not. You know, some guys. They, they do have a slight build, but their swing, you know, you can see the swing path is, right. you know, geared for putting the ball in the air. With a guy like that, you know, he knows he's fast. <laughs> right. He knows he's, he probably knows his own limitations as a player. Right. So he tries to hit the ball on the ground and, right. and run and, and hit for average, even if his, you know, you know, isolated power is maybe 40 or 30 or something like that. This is what, this is what I want to ask you. Yeah. Um, and this, I think, this will open up discussion a little bit is, I'm curious as to your, calendar around the year because we I saw you uh, last night or night before I said oh what are you working on now you said well you know like uh, I do maybe some of the book stuff for this time of year but then and then at this time of the year I get busy on international stuff so curious like maybe starting starting with whatever month you want because it doesn't line up precisely maybe with the yeah uh you know we'll just starting right now so I just we just finished up uh or we're finishing up our prospect handbook so I wrote up a couple of chapters for mm-hmm. us, and I did the Angels and the Indians farm system, and that's kind of like a. Are you have you done those organizations before? Do you uh, stick I've with done them the Indians or? the last probably four or so, five years maybe. Mm-hmm. It was the first time doing the Angels, um, but, but yeah, and it's you know it's that's kind of like a year round process, obviously for us. You know, we're not just you know calling guys in October and November after the season. We're right. putting it together right. basically throughout the the minor league season. Well, because you're, you're also doing yeah. analysis throughout the year, right? Sure, With sure. the print publication, et cetera. Yeah. So now, you know, now that a lot of my work for the handbook is is more or less done, um, a lot of a lot of that transitions now to we, we do a series called International Reviews every year, where we try to make sure that we have a scouting report. On every international player who signed the previous year for at least a hundred thousand uh, dollars, it's not really a, a magic line, but we gotta set it somewhere yeah, because yeah. you know it, it ends up being about 150 scouting reports on those guys. Plus, if there's other guys who signed during the 2012 calendar year uh, who were interesting, you know, last year we wrote about Luis Morejo, for example, who signed with the Braves for sixty-five thousand dollars. We heard that you know he was going to be really good. They were going to send him to the Gulf Coast League, so we wrote a little scouting report on him. 
he ended up ranking in the Gulf Coast League top 20 prospects list. So, um, you know, the money is not that important to me in terms of what the the players get. The scouts know, especially once they you know, they might sign a guy July 2nd, but you have them over that six month span. You have them in your winter program during your Dominican instructs. Um, these guys are 16, 17 years old. They, they, they might look one way in, you know, July. Uh-huh. By September, you know, maybe they've grown two inches. Do you think of any situations yeah, like that for you? Like guys, either whom, whom you've seen or you've gotten reports where it's like, like, especially, especially getting over to, to stateside or at least under the sort of umbrella of a major league organization who've changed, uh, physically in, in some dramatic way or? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, Adalberto Mondesi with the Royals. Okay. So when he was, that's Raul Mondesi's, uh, one of Raul Mondesi's sons. Okay. Um, so when he signed, he signed with the Royals for $2 million on July 2nd last year in 2011. Uh-huh. So remember when he signed, a lot of people were surprised because when he was kind of seen as one of the better shortstops in the Dominican Republic that year, but I don't think many teams saw him as a, that kind of money guy. I mean, any, anytime somebody gets a million dollars or more in the Dominican Republic, yeah. everybody thinks, oh, how could I give him that kind of money? Because, <laughs> well, obviously, yeah, or otherwise you would assign him yourself. <laughs> right. But, uh, someone, to have, someone has to give him right. the most money. But, but the thing with him was it was surprising that he got, I think, I think a lot of people were surprised he got that kind of money. You know, in retrospect, he was 15 years old when he was scouted because he, I think, was born in, at some point in July, so he had to wait a, a couple of weeks to sign. Um, so you know, you're scouting a 15 year old kid, and, and in his case, you know, there's a lot of age fraud down there. Right. In his case, it's, it's a legitimate 15 years old because he was born in the United States when right. his dad was playing baseball and for the Dodgers. Right. So, so the you risks know, are yeah. There, I mean, there's there's lower. pretty much no risk right. of, of him's age being false. So he's a very slightly built 15 year old kid yeah. who's being scouted, and. He just, it sounded like he had trouble just swinging a, a wood bat. Right. Or sometimes for some guys. Because he was a child. He, ex- that's what it is. I mean, it's, it's, to me, it's, it's ridiculous right. that there's, the signing age is, is 16. I, I think it should be higher. But, um, yeah, when you're signing a, or scouting a legitimate 15 year old, uh, shortstop who doesn't have the strength to be able to impact the ball or, or even swing the bat much. Right. Um, I mean, that's going to give him issues with contact, too, because just the bat speed right. to be able to catch up to a fastball. Right. You know, he might have the hand-eye coordination. He's a good athlete. He could run well, but just being able to catch up to good fastball sometimes can be a problem. So this is, a, what was his first name, sorry? Adalberto Montesi. Oh, I think it's Raul Adalberto Montesi, but right. his brother is also Raul Montesi Jr. already. We had a George Foreman situation. Yeah, so... <laughs> Um, so, so, so this is the type of guy who now yeah. he's. So yeah, and then they're scouting him in you know January, February, March. Right. You know, by the time it's you know July, things can change, or, and then by the time he came to the Pioneer League this year, which is an aggressive assignment for a you know a 16 year old kid. Uh, you know, everybody who saw him there really liked him. I don't think he has you know superstar tools. He's not going to be like a Jerickson Profar type guy, but right. it sounds like he's added strength and and really just. Natural develop, natural physical development for a human being. Yeah, for a for a human fifteen, sixteen year old um, to uh, to go through. So, so back to the calendar. The calendar. Yeah, the calendar for you, like yeah. over the course of the year. So we'll do that in, uh, and I'll do that in January. Historically, we've done that January, February, and, and I'll start rolling those out in March. This year, we'll probably our goal is to start doing it a little bit earlier with the World Baseball Classic coming up in March. Right. So uh, we'll cover that. Because, uh, you know, Janu- it's, it's a great time of year to do it because January, February, you know, there's really not much else going right, on in the right, baseball right. calendar. 
there's only so much uh, we don't really do much with arbitration and right. there's only so much into that you can get but uh, you know then you know spring training comes around we'll, we'll start covering the, the minor league season during the minor league season and obviously the big international signing date is July 2nd so you know ideally the international signing date would be something like February 2nd <laughs> because it would not be directly in the middle of the minor league season interfering with uh, the minor league stuff that I do right. too. So. Have you have you started uh, maybe thinking about on behalf of Baseball America talk to Major League Baseball in the players union? Maybe you get that. I think uh, maybe you, in the next CBA we'd have to. You have uh, a lot of sway. Yeah, I'll understand. try to get a seat at the table. And, yeah, uh, that's right. You know the players on one side and the and the owners and, and then the management. And then Ben Badler. Yeah, I mean yeah. I think that's reasonable. Playing the part of judge and, and jury too, if you're lucky. Yeah. So uh, unfortunately, until that happens. Yeah. <laughs> um, July 2nd is, is going to be the international sign. Although we may actually have an international draft, so maybe it will change. Right. So uh, at some point, uh, you know, sort of transition to going more into the international previews that we do for July 2nd. Right. And, and, that's, and that's you largely, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's pretty much uh, all done by me. How did, that, how did that happen? Because now I've known you I know, I've known you since before Baseball America. Right. And you were just a wide-eyed young man. Yeah. Yeah. My eyes have shrunk a little. Yeah, they're, they're tiny. I can't Noticeable. <laughs> should maybe go see a doctor. <laughs> um, but, you know, but... So you've been in Baseball America for a while. How did that international coverage start? You know, when I started at, at BA, it was in summer of 2007. And I did I was doing minor league stuff, and I was doing a little bit of, you know, international stuff, Olympic stuff. And then, remember Juan Duran signed with the Reds in 2008, early in 2008, okay. for $2 million. Yeah. It was a weird signing. Everybody thought he wasn't going to be eligible until July 2nd. But the Reds' assistant GM, Bob Miller, used to work in... It wasn't even called the minor league baseball office at the time. I forget the name of it. Um, but there was some obscure rule where if you turn 17 before the the end of your first professional season, then you can sign. Then you then, then he then you could sign. Right. And Duran turned 16 on September, uh, or was going to turn 17 on September 2nd, I think that year. Um, so they signed him assign him to a Pioneer League roster. He didn't play. It was just a paper move. Right. So that he would technically turn 17 before the end of the Pioneer League season, whereas everybody else thought, oh, you had to turn, you know, 16 by the end of uh, September to be able to sign. Otherwise, you had to wait until July 2nd because the minor league seasons all used to end by then. Right. But now you have, you know, the Pioneer League season, the Northwest League seasons going through, you know, early September. They actually changed that rule. For that purpose? Yeah, basically it's the Juan Duran rule that got, you know, shut down. Uh, there was a kid this year, Wendell Riho, who ended up signing with the Red Sox uh, for about $600,000, who was born, I think, September 4th or something like that. Uh-huh. So I think they thought, oh, maybe we can we can sign him uh, early. So but that rule still exists? No, they changed the oh, rule. They, changed they, they, they thought, oh, yeah, maybe we can sign him, but no, they yeah. changed the rule because of... Uh, it seems like a silly rule. Yeah, it yeah. kind of... Well, they have a lot of silly rules, <laughs> so um, that's one of, of many... Uh, but now it's a former, and the Braves signed Christian Betancourt actually right after that to the same, uh, not even a loophole, it's just kind of a rule. This is a rule. This yeah. is what, Christian Betancourt's like a kind of a heavy, like a good He's, catch and throw. Yeah, very good catch and throw, not a very good hit yeah. at all yeah. guy, but, uh, great arm. Yeah. Great arm. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so I started doing that and then that was the same year. 
uh, Michael Noah signed, so yes. we wrote about him. And Michael Noah, who was just added to yeah. the A's 40-man roster. So that yeah, that was the last time I heard something good about Michael right. Noah. Well, that was, was like when what, I was writing about him. Grand total of. 30 or 40 innings professionally in the meantime? Yeah, none of which were particularly impressive right. from a performance standpoint or a, a stuff standpoint. Right, right, right. But, um, yeah, I guess they just wanted to protect him for right. some I don't think he would have gotten selected in the Rule 5 draft by anybody. But And, uh, and then so you and so you got on the international beat. Was it with the, was it Duran? or? So, yeah, so that was kind of the first big international story that I, I think I did. And then... We started previewing July 2nd that year. The, you know, Addis Portillo signed, Jorman Rodriguez signed, Rafael Rodriguez signed. Uh, if you look back at that year, the guys who got a lot of money, it's not a, not a lot of, uh, future Hall of Famers, I guess. Have you had the opportunity to do any, to do any work looking at the differences between the money spent on international free agents relative to domestic guys? Or, sorry, I should say, yeah, international free agents relative to uh, domestic it, draftees. It's hard. Well, I mean, one, the, you know, all that data isn't necessarily public, but uh, it's hard. Because, one of the other things is just the money in the last, I don't know, five, six, seven or so years, that's when it's really exploded. Right. So, you know, you did have Miguel Cabrera and... K Rod getting a lot of money and Felix Hernandez, but really the big big money has started more more recently, mm-hmm. and it's you know we got the new rules now that that changes things up. But really the the era of the huge of, of a lot of guys getting millions each year that's that's kind of been a more of a, a recent trend than anything else. Right. Yeah. What's the uh, what are some of the biggest bonuses we've seen then in uh, recent years? Yeah. Or, I mean. The Rangers have the the biggest one of all time, Nomar Mazzara. They gave him four point nine five million dollars. So that how recently was that? That was two thousand eleven. They also signed. So he trained with this guy named Ivan Naboa, who's the brother of you know Junior Naboa, who's runs the Diamondbacks uh, international stuff, and especially in the Dominican Republic, he's been there forever. Um, they also signed two other players from him, a shortstop. Uh, named Adams and uh, a right-hand pitcher named uh, Piano. Uh, I think it was about $850,000 combined for those two guys. So really, it was kind of a package deal to get Mazzara, and they paid him about you know $5.8 million. So I'm, I'm sure he's quite happy about that. him and all of his buds, buds along or something? Yeah, or him and you know two other guys who had a, you know, Naboa has a percentage in, in those guys. So, um, you know, you kind of got to work with who's controlling the Negotiation to, uh, to get right. the player. So, and, and just even the 4.95 million for Mazzara was surprising because of how much, you know, he does have a lot of raw power. I think people like that. They like his bat speed, but it's kind of a complicated swing. You saw he struck out a lot in, uh, rookie ball. And what was surprising too is that his trainer really didn't let, there were a lot of teams that said he would show up and take BP and then they wouldn't let him hit in games. <laughs> well, really? Yeah, because well, I think his trainer probably knew. <laughs> What was going to happen yeah, if, he, if he hits in games? What's going to happen against live pitching? Right. Um, and you saw this, you know, in the Arizona League. You know, he had one thing that I think was better than people expected about Mazzaro was that his patience at the plate was a little bit better. Uh-huh. He doesn't really, he doesn't tend to chase too much out of the strike zone. He'll strike out a lot because, you know, the barrel's not in the zone a long time. It's, right. it's contact issues. But um, that's, you know, that's one of the hardest things to scout down there is plate discipline and batting eye and patience at the plate right? because you're not it's changing I think there's, there's more games now but you know you, you can imagine a case like that well you don't get to see him much against live pitching right? 
how, how are you supposed to judge uh, yeah, his play discipline? It's, it's a tricky, it's a tricky thing to evaluate. So he was better than expected in that regard. But yeah, for the most part, that was became otherwise as advertised. A lot of power, a lot of strikeouts. It's a it's a high risk profile for for five million or five point eight with the, the package deal there. Um, and they actually have the number two guy too in uh, Jairo Barris for. Four point five million dollars. Actually, I was uh, I went to perform a Google search of Ben Badler. Yeah, and uh, it's Ben Badler Hyro Barris. In the oh, in the it's like, like the, the autofill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, that was uh, well, that was a big case this year. It was. Uh, you've written and you've written. Uh, yeah, we followed that. So I mean, you know, there's <laughs> we wrote a lot about it. We wrote um, nothing. Nothing they really did surprise me too much. But there's there's I'm sure there's a ton. Of the, anytime we write about the Dominican Republic or uh, anything in Latin America, there's, you know, we're writing maybe 1% of, of, what, of what we hear or right. of what we can prove and stuff like that. So um, there's, there's so much more to that story. One thing you mentioned earlier, uh, just in terms of, like, you know, trying to assess players, and uh, it, with, in particular now with this uh, this question of uh, Mazzaro, I guess. Mazzaro, right. yeah. Is, uh, especially because he's being protected from batting in games. Yeah. The, the, the difficulties or the, the the differences in in scouting a pitcher and a hitter, right? Like you said, like there's something like contact ability. That seems like it would be hard to suss out from from a game, from two games, from a week of games, right? Because that's something that seems to me like would need a bit of a sample. Whereas like, what did, how fast does this guy throw? That's a different sort of thing. Yeah, I think it's it's easy. It's, I mean, especially when you're talking about evaluating either international players or high school players, it's it's important to get a, as much, like you said, as much history or as much. I scouts use the word history, or we can use the word sample size on right, them right. to to evaluate them. Um, you know, you can see certain things like if a guy as a takes a huge long swing. <laughs> And he's, you see him strike out. You know, you, you can have a sense. All right, this swing is not going to lead to a lot of contact right. in pro ball. Whereas if you see a guy has a you know a short, uh, efficient swing, right. good bat speed, balance, balance, yeah, balance. I love balance. You love balance. I love balance. <laughs> rhythm, rhythm and balance. Are oh, rhythm key. and balance. Rhythm and balance are key. R and B. You're an R and B guy. I never thought of it like yeah, that. That's but B and B, B and B, R and B. Can I borrow that R and B? R and B. We're gonna make that happen. You do R&B. it. You can. Uh, that's that's a gift. That's my gift to you. It's well, this just is. A, it's a very small repayment for making an appearance in Fangraphs Audio. Well, that's. Yeah. Uh, you're you're single handedly raising the profile of uh, this podcast and Fangraphs. You know. As, well, you're too kind. You're yeah, too I am kind. too kind. I'm being too kind. <laughs> yeah, that's an insult. <laughs> I'm not. Um, but yeah, it's the more it's it's a lot easier, especially if you're going in or if you're seeing a high school hitter. Right. I mean, if you're scouting Jason Hayward and they're all they're going to do is pitch around him, and Jason Hayward says, "Well, I'll just take my walks." Right. <laughs> you're not going to get as good of a read on him. I mean, I guess you could say, "Well, he's willing to do that," but yeah, it's different. But some guys, some guys take take that as uh, you know, oh, he should be more aggressive, but. You know, really, what he was doing is he wasn't getting out of his game, and right. he's not going to change just because of that. So, if you don't see him swing the bat, <laughs> right. you gotta you gotta see him over a long period of time. Whereas, yeah, with a pitcher, uh, there's certain things that can uh, interfere with the evaluation. You know, sometimes what happens a lot of times in the Dominican Republic is that a trainer will have his. It'll be you know May or June. All these guys, all the American guys, are coming down to. The American boss are coming down to see these players, you know. So, maybe say a GM of the Red Sox wants to see a guy on Tuesday, and the GM of the Blue Jays wants to see him on Thursday. 
and the assistant GM of the Cubs wants to see him on Saturday, some guys will pitch their guy every right. single day. So they get worn down, they get run down, so that can interfere with it. But but generally, yeah, if a guy is being managed properly, which doesn't always happen, uh-huh. um, yeah, it's it's easier to see just you know the raw quality, you know how hard he's throwing. You can see his mechanics. You can see the quality of his you know curveball. Probably doesn't have a changeup of, of much to speak at that age, but you can see his you know direction of the play. You can see a lot more out of a pitcher and of a in a brief look than you can see out of a hitter taking a, a couple of bats. You're right. You seem to have developed a pretty. You seem to have kind of a complex relationship with the subject matter. On the one end, I mean, I certainly know, and it's clear that you that you not, that you enjoy the game, enjoy enjoy prospect analysis, and that um, you know you clearly have some aptitude for it. And you're excited about about doing that, but at the same time, like it, it, there is, I guess, like it's sort of a murky world in the international prospecting. Yeah, right? I mean, I would take out the sort of, but <laughs> I would say it's a very yeah. I mean, everybody refers to it as the wild west. It's uh-huh. kind of the I, I hear that almost every, if not every day, several times a week right. <laughs> about. Uh, it's not just Latin America, but there's you know unscrupulous things that go on in Asian countries too for right. um, it's, it's unfortunate there's you know age fraud steroids uh, you know scouts paying money under the table taking money under the table uh, it's unfortunate I mean it's, it should be uh, you know the international side should be a, a great thing where you're giving these kids opportunities you're going out it's you know you're not scouting you're not just going in some SEC stadium and right, right, right. scouting some guy who everybody knows about and you can't draft him anyway because you have the 26th overall pick in the draft, and he's one of the top five guys. It's you know you can go out and if you like a guy more than anybody else, and your owner has the gives you the funding to, to sign a player. Right. You can go out and sign him. Well, I remember reading. Uh, uh, oh, I, I feel very very guilty for not remembering the author's name, but the the book Dollar Sign on the Dollar Sign on the Muscle. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you're reading about some of the earliest days of scouting. I think like you know like there was like proto scouting and maybe you know the, the the very beginning of the 20th century, and then I think maybe it became, it was, especially with Branch Rickey, became a little bit more of a, a programmed thing. But there have been, and then it, leading up to the draft, like the draft, the draft been, changed a lot of things. things yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, I mean now that's I think a lot of a lot of the old school guys tend to, some or some of them, sort of gravitate towards Latin America because you just go down, you're not evaluating guys based on his press clippings or anything right. like that until I get in the way obviously right. and start uh, ruining that but uh, but yeah you're just going down and trying to okay this guy throws 85, 86 miles an hour yeah. but he's 16 years old his arm works clean he has a great delivery he's 6'2 weighs 160 pounds yeah. you know do you get excited about that guy is he going to fill out he, he's, he's showing a feel for a curveball so maybe that's going to be a plus pitch for him. Maybe that's a sign that his velocity is going to come on. Uh, it's it's a lot different than going in and and scouting a guy on the on the U.S. side. It's, it's a lot more flexibility right. that you can have there. Now um, I'm going to let you go here because you've uh, already done your time and more. Um, just in terms of being here, though, we, we you said this is your first one. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, like, what's the what? Well, and I also saw Baseball America was a home run sponsor for the for the trade show. Yeah. So yeah. are you here? Are you here hawking goods? Or you hear, uh, um, obviously, like, a big part of your job is knowing people around the industry, and so I assume that this is a good place to at least see them, too, which is nice. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, 
I haven't been hawking too many goods, I guess. I'll, I'll leave that to the uh, to the business staff. So yeah. they handle our uh, our hawking. They're good hawkers. They're good hawkers. Yeah, <laughs> some plus plus hawking. Have, they you, seen, have they seen this chair over here? Uh, no, no. Uh, that chair is not uh, <laughs> not not on the market. No, yeah, it's not. Uh, it's no deal on the chair. It's less than it's less than sixteen years old, maybe. Yeah, it's yeah, kind of nice. short. <laughs> not really a lot of projection here. It's pretty stiff. It's at least Durango chair, yeah. Yeah, but, like uh, like defensively, maybe like a Kendry Kendris Morales. It doesn't have a lot of range. It's <laughs> not. Uh, like you, what's four, hit to it? You can get but four legs though. I wonder. I mean, what if there was a baseball player with four legs? Could it run faster? Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I think it would. Would well, you have to double the? Uh, would he still have two arms? Double the score. Or would the arms? <laughs> Will the arms be the legs? Actually, Emma Spann, uh, or someone who tweeted earlier today, is. Uh, I'm glad there's a segue to the something. Here. Yeah, there is actually. She said, if, she said, uh, if you could have one animal replace Alex Rodriguez at third base for the Yankees, what animal would it be? Ooh. Yeah. Someone suggested, and I thought this was good. I thought it was octopus. Yeah, that's. Uh, but it would also die because uh, it would be out in the open. I guess logistically that would be an issue. It would be a real nightmare. Um, yeah, you'd probably have to have uh, some depth of the position. Yeah, that's true. So maybe a human backup would. A human, yeah, yeah. So first, a, first a uh, first an octopus, and uh, and then Ramiro Pena. <laughs> uh, not for you. I like the octopus. <laughs> I like the octopus. But, uh, but yeah, no, it's it's good to come down. You know, a lot of what I do is just talking to scouts and executives and agents all over the yeah. country or, or out of the country, I guess. Yeah. So I don't get too much. I don't get to see them too often unless I see them at the park or something like yeah. that. But um, this is just a great opportunity to get in and see people and just talk to them, get information. You know, we're here. We cover the Rule 5 drafts, but we're not here dishing out trade rumors right, or right. – Anything like that, we don't really get involved in no, that. My colleague, Eno Saris, said yeah. said that he wanted to, while he was here, to press some flesh. Have you done that? Um, I, I hadn't thought about putting it like that. but Because uh, I, I think it's an irksome irksome way of phrasing it. Yeah. And especially, I don't know if you know Eno, I prefer he not press his flesh against mine. Yeah, you know, shake a few hands, bump a few fists. Yeah. But, uh, Have you ever shake, shaken a baby? Frowned uh, upon? <laughs> Not to my knowledge, but okay. uh, listen, I don't want to yeah. get you in trouble legally. Yeah. So let's have you. We'll end it here. Yeah. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Uh, but I'm gonna thank you for appearing on Fangraphs Audio. Well, thank you for having me. All right. I'm gonna give you an audio handshake. So thank you. Is that, a, is that my cell phone? Yeah. That's uh, That's actually Eno Saris. Is it? Yeah. Did he say he knows that he's? I don't know. I can just see the. Name. I don't want right. to read your text okay. message, but. <laughs> that has been Fangraphs Audio with Ben Babler, baseball American.